but like what I love about Ethiopia is how proud they are in every corner there yeah. is a coffee shop and the coffee shop mm. doesn't even have to be a coffee shop it's just a little room but the coffee will slap yeah. what do you mean people they are do it with coffee, popcorn you know? there as well right coffee is drugs and people mm. are addicted to it in ethiopia one more thing they're addicted to is mm. yapa yapa that's <laughs> it Ayo, ayo. Hello, everyone. Sudewada, welcome or welcome back to Gone to Africa. I'm your host, Julio. And today is a very exciting episode. First and foremost, I did not record this two years ago. Can we get a moment of silence? <laughs> Please clap. Thank you. This is uh, the part of the podcast journey where we get up to date, where we are recording in the same week or at least the same month that the episode is released. And today, my guest is the lovely, the inimitable, the firecracker, Bananas Overdose, a.k.a. Yasmin, to me, um, who is of Somali-Ethiopian heritage and is a rapper, musician, human rights activist, all-around baddie and shit starter on and off the internet. And we get into lots of things. We actually broke this up into two parts. Being my, one of my really good friends, we, of course, talk so much about so many things. Um, and so in this first part, you can listen to us speak about having grown up in a Somali household in Saudi Arabia in her early life and having had the chance to then... Uh, spend time in Somalia, live in Ethiopia, and her life now living in Kenya, which is uh, where we met and where we live currently. We get into some chat about languages, about different experiences in different countries, about where her stage name comes from. Spoiler alert, it is very much to do with her being Somali, but she can tell you that story herself. And it's all around a good time. Without further ado, please enjoy Yasmin, aka Bananas Overdose, on the Gone to Africa with me, Julio. How do you say welcome in uh, Somali? Sodewada. Soda? Sodewada. Sodewada and welcome yeah. to the Gone to Africa podcast. I'm your host, Julio, and I'm joined today <laughs> by one of my nearest and dearest, Miss Bananas Overdose herself. <laughs> Let's go. One time. Hi. But you introduce yourself. What would you like to be addressed as? I would like to be addressed as uh, beast. I'm joking. <laughs> no. Uh, I'm joking, name. but I'm really serious. Yeah. Yeah. Don't try me. Don't try me. Anyways, let's not start with that note. Let's start with a Zen note. Let's. Okay. I want to introduce myself as uh, Yasmin. My name is Yasmin. I'm just a little girl from the hood. A little girl. A little girl. A little girl with big dreams. Big dreams, yeah. Stage, big moves. Yeah. Stage name is Bananas Overdose. And that's all you need to know. My Boom. Sh- everything of me is online. My business is online. Just go and check me out. Uh, not everything. I think there's a lot of you that's not. And some of True. the most interesting things to me I, is not. Yes. And which I is why you're here. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which I think, I think the reason I say everything you need to know, is everything you need to know mm-hmm. about me. Everything you, <laughs> you need, need to everything know. Everything you need to know. <laughs> Well, we're here to talk today about being Africans in Africa, around Africa. Yasmin here is of of Somali-Ethiopian heritage, grown up in Saudi Arabia, and we'll talk about all of that. Speaks more languages than you could ever dream of. (laughs) (laughs) And and accumulating more as we speak. Mm -hmm. And we're going to get into all of that. 
right, so let's start with like early childhood upbringing, your background. How would you sum up like family, oh, background, childhood? Uh, it was very intense. It was interesting. It was uh, challenging. Mm -hmm. It was uh, very reserved. Born and raised Jeddah, is that right? Jeddah, yeah. Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. I was born in a small town called Rabagh, mm -hmm. between Mecca and Jeddah. Um, but I was more, like we moved when I was five years old. We moved when I was five years old to Jeddah City, and that that's my hometown, basically. So yeah, my childhood was pretty intense, you know? It was intense for me, for the type of person I am, mm -hmm. you know? Because I've always been that child that speaks up. So I've always been in trouble from, that's what I remember, being in trouble as a kid. Mm. Yes, I've been in trouble all my life. Okay, been a troublemaker. <laughs> Why a shit starter. Yeah. <laughs> um, and who'd you grow up with? Family, you've got siblings, you grew up with... Yeah. I grew up with a single mom and five siblings. All, all girls? Yeah, all girls except for one, so boy. Oh my god, you have a brother? Imagine. Did I know this? Sometimes I forget about him. <laughs> sorry, Ahmed. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait, did I know that? I just forget. <laughs> I think you just found out. <laughs> Oh, it is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I'm a middle child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, big family. And mm -hmm. I, I enjoyed it. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed my upbringing and having that family around me. Yeah. Siblings. So we're all close. Our ages were pretty close, all mm -hmm. of us. So it was fun. I have a lot of great memories from my childhood. Yeah. Love it. So in your, um, in your family, who's Somali, who's Ethiopian, and what were the first... Kind of, what was your understanding of what each of those was and what you were, at least as a kid? Interesting. I did not even know anything about e an Ethiopian side when I was growing up. Okay. Yeah, I grew up with my mom. My dad is the one that has an Ethiopian side. Mm. But either ways, my mom also is from the, Ethiop from the Ethiopian re Somali region in Ethiopia. Okay, got so it. So my mom is Ethiopian-Somali. My dad has Ethiopian in his family, but he also happens to be an Ogaden Ethiopian-Somali. Yeah. So I'd say I'm Somali. So very much grew up in a Somali household, yeah. grew up speaking Somali. Yeah. Would you say like it's your first language or more Somali. Arabic or together? Well, growing up as a child, it was my first language until I went to school. Until I went to school, then now I started adopting Arabic. Mm. Then Arabic became my first language. Okay. What do yeah. you dream in? I dream in Arabic. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I dream in Arabic. I think in Arabic. When yeah, because sometimes it'll come out, like if you're counting sometimes. Yeah, like, and because of the languages I speak, sometimes like if I'm, if I'm overwhelmed mm, <laughs> or angry yeah. or like just if I'm overwhelmed with emotions, whatever they are, yeah, I spit Arabic. It doesn't matter who understands me. That's the yeah, first thing that I think that's of. That's what comes, comes out. out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you were speaking Somali at home. Yeah. What about outside of your immediate family? Did you have like cousins or anything around in Saudi? I mean, Somali Family friends family moved together, friends. huh? Mostly, yes. Somalis move together, so there's some aunties I had in the past, and, and, and I'm just finding out that they're not really my blood aunties. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, damn. The universal language, yeah. if they're your parents, here, they're your auntie yeah. or uncle. Yeah, that's basically it. <laughs> Yeah. So we grew up in, in a big family. My mom had a lot of friends, and they had a lot of kids, and you know, us Somalis, we're not yeah. enough. We don't, we don't, it's not enough to have a child. It's, it's almost a sin to have only one. How dare you? <laughs> You know, like why are you slacking? Why are you slacking? Come on, pop them kids. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's that. Yeah. So talk family. to me about um relating to Saudi people as a Somali. Like, is that something that is is that something that was like 
an issue or like a thing that was clear to you as a child and related. as a teenager? Um, yeah, in terms of like any difference between you and other kids in Saudi? Oh, yeah, it's, it, there's been a clear, clear difference. And, and, and it was very, it's, it's, there was a lot of discrimination, you know, okay. like, the, like that we were exposed to as kids. And, and it was a reminder that we are not the same, okay. you know, as an African, especially, you know, you could be a foreigner, but like as an African, they remind you every day by the way they talk, the way they walk, the way you're treated in school, da da da, mm. all of these things, you know. So, yeah, like I've, I've realized that, that I've learned about racism at a very young age. Yeah. You know? I actually do remember my first experience. Mm. And it has so much to do with where my stage name came from. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Do you want to get into that yes, story? Sure. Let's go. So, I remember as a kid, of course, you don't know nothing about race. You're playing with kids at school. And I was one out of a few Somalis, a few black girls in school. Mm-hmm. I went to a government Saudi school, mm-hmm. all girls. And uh, I was one out of a few, a handful, uh, not even a handful, I mean, you can count with one hand. Um, um, and uh, I remember I loved bananas growing up and I used to tell my mom to pack me bananas to school. Like I used to even just eat, but my mom used to, Somali to the core, you know I it. I think I'm more Somali than all Somali. <laughs> the way I'm committed to eating bananas. <laughs> and I just binge on them. You know? And uh, so, yeah. I remember going to school with a banana. And these kids in school were not sent to school with a banana. Mm-hmm. So I used to eat my bananas at lunch break. And I used to get bullied for eating a banana. And I remember this girl. I wonder what she looks like now. <laughs> I wonder what she looks like. Anyways, so... Uh, yeah, uh, she came up to me and she was like, oh, you keep eating bananas. You, you eat bananas like a monkey. You're actually even darker than us. Your skin complexion is darker than us, Whoa. like a monkey. You must be a monkey and you're eating a banana too. That confirms you're a monkey. And she called out everybody in school. And I used to get bullied out of eating bananas to a level where I remember I used to go to, to the washrooms to eat my lunch. Mm, so that you just wouldn't be bothered. Yeah, just eat a banana like, in peace. My, yeah, just on the toilet seat. And I just eat my banana. <laughs> that just sounds so wrong. But anyway, <laughs> I, at some point, it became too much of work to eat bananas. Mm. And I, I really internalized the monkey thing. Mm. And I was like, damn, let me, maybe I'm, I'm not a monkey. Yeah. I don't want to eat bananas anymore. You distanced yourself. So yeah, I just stopped eating bananas. Like I remember because we used to all eat together as a family, like on one big sahan. Mm. Um, and uh, when my sisters would just like chop up, slice up the banana to eat it with the food, rice or pasta or whatever, I used to like get so mad if the banana touches me. Mm. Like it was to that extent. Yeah, so I grew up hating bananas. Grew up hating bananas, not wanting to be associated with bananas until I realized why I hated bananas. Yeah. It wasn't immediately clear to you. No, like it was a not. conscious decision. Yeah, no, it wasn't a conscious decision. So um, yeah, I remember one day I was sitting with myself and I was already starting to just appreciate myself and mm. try to love myself. Try to, you know, forgive the past. Yeah. But apparently I didn't forget the past. Because <laughs> that story came up to me. You know when you make an in- when you set an intention to heal about s- certain things, answers come to you. The things that you need to heal from, they come show up, up in your face. Yeah, they show up. Yeah. So it just showed up. And I just remember the story and I was like, oh, it's that girl. It's the bullying. That's why I hate bananas. And I was like, you know what? No, I can't hit bananas now. Let's start eating bananas again. This is me mm-hmm. with myself. And I remember this one day, I went bought bananas. Actually, you know, I had bananas for breakfast. And then 
I worked out and then I went shopping and then I bought banana bread, a banana shake and a banana flavored uh, ice cream, I think. Mm -hmm. And then I put it in the fridge and I had that that day. And a friend of mine came over who, who knew that now I'm starting to love bananas. Mm -hmm. And she brought me a banana flavored biscuit. I was like, whew, what if I overdose on bananas? And, <laughs> and I remember, boom. yeah. And at the time, I was looking for a crazy stage name. I was like, what is better than me calling myself Bananas Overdose and just owning the whole Somali thing, mm -hmm. owning the, reclaiming my love for bananas? Yeah. You know? Yeah, so that's that. That's where the name came from. And we'll I ran with it. see it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I ran with so it. So that's like around what age that you're having this reclaim? Oh, basically that you decide on your stage name? I think about five years ago. Yeah. Okay, five nice. years ago. Um, so let's then pivot to same in the in the household. I want to know about musical influences early, but I also want to hear about your your parents and their how how they ended up in Saudi and what you know about their upbringing. Uh, is it stuff you found out later in life? Mm. What did they talk about? Like you know their early life and their family and childhoods. Yeah, um, my parents home, didn't really. My parents didn't really share their past with us much. My mom used to give us funny stories about the past and they're crazy. My mom uh, had fun, fun, fun stories. Yeah. But um, the way my parents met, my mother was a village girl mm -hmm. in Ethiopia. And uh, her, her uncle was the Somali ambassador in Saudi Arabia. Okay. And he just decided to take her, bring her from Ethiopia to Saudi to stay with him. And this was in Jeddah. And she came alone as an out of her family? Yeah, out her... of her family. Yeah. She came at the age of 15. Okay. She went to Saudi at the age of 15, and she just she was living there and helping with the house. And like, like, and she always had a passion for learning Arabic because she, she was really intrigued about the religion, Islam. And she just wanted to learn Arabic. That was her biggest passion in life, to learn Arabic so she can understand what the Quran is about. Okay. And you think her uncle knew that, and that's why... I think her uncle knew that she was bright. For her over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He knew that she, she definitely wants to learn, you know? So he brought her and she was living there. My dad was going to school in snow. He actually got an, an internship. He got an internship with a, with a petrol company, mm -hmm. a Greek petrol company in Saudi Arabia. And he was working there, but he, was, he knew, his family knew my, my mom's uncle family. Okay. So he visited one time and he met my mom and they fell in love. And then she, and then he came to ask for her hand. My uncle and my uncle said, "No, I don't oh. trust you." And my mom ran off with him. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, she flipped the family and she left. Wow. Hectic. Yeah. Yeah. Where was love? Apparently, yeah. you know, like wow. So uh, yeah, that's how their their life started. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Until I was I was twelve, eleven, going into twelve. That's when my my mom and my dad separated, and my dad just got out of the picture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah, that's how the single motherhood started with my mom. Yeah, it's, yeah, it was just a, it was an intense childhood because mm -hmm. one mother and all these kids. Yeah, was it was pretty intense, and she was sick at the time, and and like she really was very graceful. I really, my mom is one of the most, she, the most amazing person I've ever met in my entire life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she really held us down. Yeah, she raised all of us, and we you can safely say we're all raised well. Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah, that's that. What am I missing? Am I missing anything? 
that's basically it. Stories, yeah. I don't really know much. They mm. never really gave us anything about our history to yeah. affect the level where I didn't know that we're Ethiopian Somalis. Okay. I thought we were just Somalis. So there was no like going to Somalia for any holiday, nothing no. like that, or like wedding, no, or to meet family. Left the country like behind, left home behind, mm. never looking back. Yeah. It was that type of energy. Let's adopt to this culture, the Saudi culture. So, but then still the connection was language, food. Language and food, yeah. yeah. And culture. Music. In a way. Music was not a part of my childhood. At no? None, zero. Hmm. But you do talk about, like, you know, this song that your mom liked yeah, and this that your mom hum- would sing. It was a Humby song. We okay. never listened to music. We just knew this music. Mm. And, you know, like, she was on she was on the extremist side of Islam. Okay. A little. Where she, you know, be like, music's haram. Yeah, so music, music is in the thing. house. Okay. So a level where, like, when we watch a movie, if the music part comes, you have to mute it. Mm. It was crazy. So, yeah, my, 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 my music... I don't really have a musical background at all. But I remember... The first type of, the first genre I fell in love with was R and B, and it was me borrowing a an a an iPod from someone in, uh, I met in school, and uh, just hearing music for the first time in my ears. Was, How interesting! Yeah. Wow, I was I think I was like thirteen at the time. Mm. Yeah, my whole life changed, and I remember it was Joe, that oh. very sexual artist, and yeah. I was too young to be listening to those <laughs> lyrics but i remember they were making me feel things <laughs> so i was like bet this is my genre <laughs> so like i just this is went me right on here. a search of just looking into r&b and yeah that's 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 the earliest memory i remember of music that's just mm. it took me there i went r&b found, discovered jazz mm-hmm. and then the internet came and then, yeah. yeah and then a whole and new smartphones, world yeah yeah beautiful i love that yeah love okay so cut to you then ending up, you know, coming to, I guess, coming to Africa for the first time. Damn, like, <laughs> wow, yeah. To me, it was really, it was, I didn't know what to expect, and I haven't heard anything about Africa. Mm. So this is what age, and what is the, what are the this circumstances? You're, you're 19 years old, and you 19. go where first? I go to Somalia first. Okay. Go to Somalia first, and it's just so different. And it's, mm. I've always been in my head, like the thing is, yes, I come from a very reserved conservative background, but I don't move that way. Yeah. I move the way I want to move. And coming to Africa, I really just thought I would be free. Mm. Yeah. That was a scam. I was like, psych? (laughs) No, no. The thing is, just be free in your home country. Yeah, yeah, right. No, just be in your home country. Without the added baggage. Yeah. Eat bananas with no shame. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) That's one of them. You know? Unbothered. <laughs> yeah, like, but like, it just terrorized me a little bit because you know Somalia is not safe. Mm. You know, it's it's not really the safest place. Yeah. So hearing gunshots and hearing that was a bit traumatized because I've never even heard a gunshot in my life. You know, and you're sleepy, hear a grenade exploding. Oh, that's just intense. And you jump, or jump, and ask everyone. So I was staying at my auntie's house, and I freaked out, and I woke everyone up. They were like, just go back to sleep. Mm. Just another grenade. Mm. Like, yeah, that the energy really it was very, it was sad. Because, like, people, that's just how I felt. I felt like everybody I interacted with while I was in Mogadishu, um, it's like they were ready to die any day. Everybody mm. was surrendering to the fact that they can die any day. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's that. Spent some time there. I went to uh, Somaliland. Oh, cool. Um, really Smiley Land is a vibe. I actually want to go back. Yeah, so. Let's uh, go next year. I won't lie to you. I, I don't mind. I really don't mind. I would love to. I, I really had an amazing time in Somaliland Land. And I was, I was with family and, and beautiful, beautiful. I just felt, I felt so welcome. Mm. 
mm. you know and it's still pretty chill you know yeah as somali as they can be and somalis can be a little too much mm-hmm. in terms of you have to be a certain way mm. if you're not you're shunned so, but other than that, it's survive, it's survive. As long as you respect the rules, yeah. you're good. So yeah, I spent some time there. Then I went to um, Somali, uh, I went to uh, Jijika, which is the Ethiopian region. Okay. Somali region of Ethiopia. Right, okay. Family there as well, spent some time. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. I got to meet some of my cousins and like, it was nice. Um, um, yeah, so yeah. It was a vibe then. I made my way to Addis and uh, Addis was a vibe. Mm-hmm. Addis is where I spent three years, almost two years. Okay. Yeah. So why I why settled. the move? Huh? Or like that was somewhere that you felt like that's somewhere you can live. Yeah, that's and somewhere. And so did I you live. did you get there and were you alone? Or? I was alone. I was completely alone because I just had to detach myself from family because I wanted to be free. Okay. My whole agenda was to be free. All I was trying to be is free, literally free of judgment, free of control, free of expectations, mm-hmm. free of you have to be this way, you have to be that way, you have to get married, you know, this, that, and the other, you yeah. know. And my family just wanted to marry me off. And I was like, I don't think this plan is going to work for me, guys. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to figure my things out on my own. Mm-hmm. And watch me. Yeah. Watch me. It was a tough, tough, tough experience, and not many people can take the step at a at a young age. Yeah, at that young an age. And, at a young age, and that also means you don't necessarily have that support. So in terms of like being able to afford, afford a move, afford the move and money and rent, and then now living on my own, you know. Thank God I had enough friends around to you know to crash mm-hmm. with until I figured a job out. Yeah, I got a job through person that knew a person that I knew a person mm-hmm. that was in my field because I worked in entertainment. Yeah, I've been working in entertainment ever since I was 17. In terms of like, I used to do social media management. Run social media platforms and do a little translation here and there. Mm -hmm. Some virtual um, secretary work, you know? Mm -hmm. Admin work for the most part. Yeah, so I've just been a hustler. I started hustling and I can safely say having, knowing multiple languages helped. Yeah help to get a job faster okay yeah makes sense yeah. so yeah like that's that's that lived mm-hmm. in ethiopia for some time loved it then i was like okay i think i'm over it yeah <laughs> i think it's time to go somewhere new what do you think you were over i was just over so the thing is i've always been free and i found myself getting in trouble in ethiopia as well mm. what kind of trouble trouble of like you can't be free you can't wear what you want to wear uh-huh. you can't uh reject men you can't uh, have an opinion as a woman like that. So what happens when you try and do those things? When you try and do those things, people come for you verbally and physically. Okay. Depends on what, which setting that you're in. It was a bit of an intense place. And I, I'm, I'm a very strong personality. So I've triggered a lot of men in Ethiopia. And I found yeah. myself in, in, in situations where I've been hurt. Mm. Emotionally, I've been hurt. Not even emotionally. Not even mentally, leave that physically. Mm. I've been attacked by an Ethiopian man before, but just by telling him, I don't want to talk to you. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, it was just intense. Yeah. It was a bit intense. But yeah, I always find myself in these situations because I always have something to say. <laughs> I always have something to add. <laughs> yeah, so like, I was like, yeah, time to go somewhere new. Okay. Let's go. It's on the map. And I had met somebody from Kenya in Ethiopia. This girl told me, like, she come and visit Kenya. I met her at a fashion show. I was a part of the organizers of that fashion show, mm-hmm. the Hub of Africa. 
Yes. Kind of like Addis Fashion Week almost. Yeah, it's like the equivalent. It kind of is Africa's Fashion Week. It's one of the big ones, definitely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's the only one I know of, actually. So, uh, yeah, I met this person there. And this person was like, yo, you should come to Kenya. Your aesthetics, your vibe, you're, you're actually going to enjoy it. Mm. So, I remember holding on to that thought. And when I was like, okay, time to go somewhere. Where do I go? I was like, Kenya. And it's pretty close. Yeah. So close. Like, it's like, it's fam, but it's like distant fam, mm, but it's still fam. Yeah, <laughs> it's fam for, yeah. for sure, for sure. So, let's pause over there. Uh-huh. Let's go to languages and what you speak and how you picked each of them up. So, you grew up speaking Somali and Arabic. That's family slash school slash mm-hmm. environment. And then, so at this point, what else do you speak? English. I speak English because I kind of, I, I, I fell in love with the language. I was interested. I was interested in English. Yes, we were kind of learning it in school. And my dad, from what I can remember, used to speak to us in English. Mm-hmm. But my English came from movies and mm. music and reading. I don't read that much. But I like just reading. I would just... Get lyrics, print lyrics, okay. and read and just try to understand the English. And mm. literally, I taught myself English. I can safely say that. Yeah. I taught myself English. English is, is my third language. And then Amharic. I picked up Amharic my two years in Ethiopia. And I knew a few words before. Um, so I can say my Amharic is probably like 30%, 40%. Mm. 40% to 50 Maybe I'm downplaying it. So, yeah, I know how to move around in Ethiopia and Amharic. Yeah. Now, this country, Kenya, <laughs> must teach me the language. Because I've been but here so for a while. Really it's so easy compared to all of yeah, us. I think it's my brain <laughs> that switched off. But you know, at the same time. I think my brain is like, yeah. And I always say this, like, especially comparing Kenya and Tanzania. Like, Tanzania is the first place that I went mm. myself. Mm-hmm. And um, particularly white people, like European people, would speak to me first in Kiswahili. Like, they would address me. They would be like, uh, Samahani, da 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 that never happened in Kenya and like I've been here my whole life and, and people like, speak what? to you in English new. yeah because you especially in Nairobi but in general like in towns and cities English. you don't have to have to have to learn Kiswahili you can absolutely get by exactly. there are and people who have been here for like 11 years 20 mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. They, they can speak like one sentence I'm actually very comfortable bro. Yeah. it's I'm not required required yeah. like these other countries like you really can't do that in Ethiopia especially oh, if you're bro, working I had to I had to especially if you're working there's no way you're going to get by without Amharic. The thing is, and like, Saudi it, as well. There's no way you're going to get by without speaking Arabic. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Here you can actually fine. run with it. That's why I'm very comfortable. I'm yeah. telling you. Especially so, having come to Nairobi first. Exactly. So now, Ethiopia. Ethiopians are extremely proud. And good for them. I, so I, I admire it. I do. It's amazing how proud they are. But they kind of made it so uncomfortable. That's why I learned the language. <laughs> they made me feel so That's uncomfortable. So funny, like, you, know, you look like us. Excuse me. You think you're better than us? That's why you speak in English? That's the energy. And you know, they wouldn't even speak to me in English, even if they know it. Taxi drivers. Oh, uh, it was so stressful. I'm like, you so know what's mad? Really? So like, me yeah. in South Africa. So I went to university in Port Elizabeth, or mm-hmm. the, the city previously known as Port Elizabeth. It's now been renamed to Kabeha, mm-hmm. which even that, I don't think I'm saying it right because the queue. Uh-huh. So I, I was in the part of South Africa, the province called the Eastern Cape. And majority, that's like the homeland of Kosa people, which is Say it one again? of Kosa. Damn. See, even that took me two years, okay? Because damn. Say it again. Kosa. X H O S A. Wow. Is the people and the Sorry. language of that region. I'm saying I'm telling it to me two years. So they have like a, a few different clicks in the language, and X is one of them. 
Anyway, so yeah, so I never actually really learned Hausa because people had such, not because, but I do always remember people having such an attitude and like, you will be called a coconut and a fucking like banana Ooh. because you don't speak their language. You speak your own. You'd be called and a banana. They know, and they know you're from somewhere else <laughs> and that you, maybe you speak like Swahili, Kikuyu, fucking Fulani, whatever. Uh-huh. They don't care. You speak Hausa. So like, what do you mean you don't speak Hausa? Why? And like trying to explain to people, but I can't even say the name of the language. It's, I literally I couldn't say it for two years, and wow. I had there are a lot speak? of names. There are a lot of names that have X in them. Like I had friends like called Kolile and Kola, like, and I used to just of, I just call wow. them X. That's X. <laughs> I was like, yeah, let's go. Hi X, what's up? What are you doing? X one, like, <laughs> X two, X three. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, I I kind of got there with greetings and stuff like that, but. Yeah, like it was, it was such a thing, and I, I had such resistance to it because of people's attitude. I was like, "Fuck you, that I'm not learning your language." Serious. Which is, yeah, you know, I'm not necessarily proud of that. I do feel like, okay, six years in SA, I don't have that much to show. <laughs> you, had, you did. Six. I wasn't, I wasn't there the whole time. I oh. then moved to Cape Town, but still, like the majority of the time, mm-hmm. the the African languages I heard were Kosa and Zulu, which are not very far from each other. Mm. So Zulu doesn't have as many clicks, I think. Clicks. Um, the clicks are badass though yeah they're, they're beautiful and yeah, like like a lot of like i did hear a lot of music that i thought like verbal labor i would say <laughs> but it's, it's one of it's just, i guess it's just like a muscle because once you get used to saying it yeah yeah mm-hmm. it just flows yeah um yeah and and those were bantu languages so whatever was similar to kiswahili then i understood uh-huh, like uh-huh. many words like uh-huh. nyama nyuele like a lot of uh-huh. vocabulary is kind of the same and the grammar was very much the same. That's beautiful. But in terms of being able to have a conversation, I really didn't push myself because I was like, you know what? Whatever. Mm. Fuck you guys. Right. <laughs> Which I don't feel that now. Shout out to Kosa fam. I love you all. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go one time. Um, like, I'm not going to say it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> badasses. But at the time, my attitude was like, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. I'm just not going to learn that. Yeah. But again, I was in university and I, I totally could get by speaking English. It was completely, you know, not a thing. Mm. It was not a requirement requirement. Beautiful. But but Ethiopia is a different situation, a different Mm-mm. case. Ethiopia, people will abuse like language into your throat. <laughs> they will shove it. Does not matter. You're green, white, black. Mm. They will it's the pride for me. And yeah. I really I, I respect that pride. Yeah. I used to be bothered by it. Mm. I used to be bothered by that level of pride. And them just always, always, always reminding you that oh, we were never colonized. Mm. <laughs> you know, I used, they used to bother me a little bit. I'm like, okay, bro, just chill. Yeah. Then I come to Kenya and I'm like, ooh, <laughs> I get it now. You see the opposite. I get it. I'm like, ooh, I just like, ooh. I was like, damn. And then next door. Yeah, I'm like, what the difference? The difference. But you know, like, Coming to Kenya, as much as I love Kenya, by the way, I love Kenya from the bottom of my heart. Yeah. Me, this I love my so Kenyans, I love this country, this is my home, I claimed it. I'm sorry, I've claimed it. Everyone even thinks I'm Kenyan, I don't even correct them. Like, yeah, I claimed you. <laughs> until they start attacking me with Swahili, and I'm like, ah! <laughs> then and you just call us. Yeah, 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 and then, yeah, I'm always, people are always shocked when I tell them I don't speak Swahili. What? We thought you were Kenyan. I love that part, mm. you know? It works for me. It's beautiful. I feel home, I feel welcome, yeah. you know? Uh, with my eccentric self, I feel very welcome in this country. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah. But you were saying the the difference of um, that history and that pride when you got here. When I got here, because I, I really yeah. did see the difference. Mm. I saw that, like, the, I saw that difference where the pride, you know, the level of pride Ethiopians have, something yeah. that you cannot find here. Can you think of, like, any incidents or any things that, like, stand out that made you realize 
Yeah, a hundred of them. A <laughs> hundred of them, like many, many. It's the energy, you know, like it's, it's the way, it's, it's just, it's terrible, you know, because it's a very untouched topic. It's taboo to talk about it. Mm. I genuinely figured that Kenyans don't really have these conversations of why are we, why are we submissive to the white man mm. energetically? Like you would go to a restaurant and they would cater to mm. a white family that came after you. And we live in the coast, you. so it's times 100. Yeah, like, it's really, yeah, it's it's very intense. Like, and I always, I, I always had something to say. I called out a few people. Mm. And I just see that, like, it's just, you know, like, Kenyans. Kenyans are beautiful people. And it's just, maybe there's a little bit of, and of course, because of the history, there's, there is a bit of lack of self-worth. Yeah. You know, and a lot of very recent sad. history. Yeah, I think that we tend history. to, I think yeah. we tend to forget, like a lot of, so a lot of the crazy shit is like not, is within the last hundred years, which is in human history, that's like nothing. That's nothing, yeah. So yeah, it's just that's that, and I don't judge it, but like I just, I was just making realizations, like wow. Yeah. So the next time I went to Ethiopia, I was like, ooh, <laughs> yo, go ahead and be proud, brother. <laughs> yeah, I will, yes, cut the tahid, banatak. Period. Yeah, let's go, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Whoa. yeah, that's that. Okay. I want to take you back to different points in different places because I like to think of, I often have like a song tied to a, a, a trip uh-huh. or like a food that I was eating all the time uh-huh. or like a trend of the time. Uh-huh. So can you think of like your two years in Ethiopia, can you think of like popular music, popular songs, like what was trending, like what was everywhere Interesting. while you lived there? I like the girl in particular. <laughs> you in particular. That's the only thing I could think of. When I got that song, I just remember my time in Ethiopia and me mm-hmm. just embracing the culture, embracing the food, embracing yeah. the dance moves, embracing the... What the, were people wearing a lot? Like, keep, what were the kids wearing? Interesting. Clothes? I have no idea. Kids mm. were, yeah. But, like, what I love about Ethiopia is how proud they are in every corner there yeah. is a coffee shop and the coffee shop mm. doesn't even have to be a coffee shop it's just a little room but the coffee was slap yeah. what do you mean people they do it with to coffee, popcorn you know? there as well right coffee is drugs and people mm. are addicted to it in ethiopia one more thing they're addicted to is yapa yapa <laughs> gossip i won't lie to you ethiopians everybody is a gossip club every household <laughs> Yeah, like and, you know, TMZ. And it makes sense as well, like going and having coffee and just talking. Yeah, you know, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. But uh, one one more thing that I love about Ethiopia and I'll forever love is the music culture. Oh yeah, Ethiopian Some, jazz. Music the heritage culture. is crazy. Wow. Yeah, the rich, rich music, jazz music, and it's one of my first loves mm. when it comes to music genres. Yeah. and yeah, like music. They really embrace music, and in every local bar, there's a grand. In any day of the week, there's mm. like a band that's playing. And Although this is Addis, yes, this is like Addis. this, your most True. of your experience is Addis. Yeah, yeah. What about the rest of the country? Where the rest of the country, I haven't really been anywhere else. I haven't really gotten the chance to travel around, which I plan to. Yeah, I intend to go and tour Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. What are some spots that you're dying to go to? I want to go to Gondar. Mm-hmm. I want. To, I've been to Dredawa. I've actually been to Jujiga and Dredawa and Debrezet, which is just a little bit outside of the Addis and where the lake is. Um, yeah, that's that. There's so much more I should see. I've been to Shashamane. Oh, yeah? She, Tell I, me about that. I barely remember anything. Okay, why? You, you know why. <laughs> the stuff were very, very good there. Shashamane was Shashamane. Yeah. I remember that. What I remember is on my way there. That's it. 
that's it. And then, then and I then was you not were in the anymore. shash. You were inside in- the shash. I was inside. <laughs> it was it was amazing though. I remember flashbacks and <laughs> I went to the few moments. of my friends who visited from Saudi. And it was really dope. Like we and you know my friends come from Saudi, they're like, Wait, 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 give me weed, weed, yeah. You know, so like freedom yeah. we've never experienced. Yeah, wow. we were blacked out the entire trip. <laughs> but we have pictures to prove that we were there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what about any have you have you been to Somalia on one occasion or a few? I've been to Somalia twice. I've been twice. to Somalia to visit for the first time, then I've been to Somalia the next time to visit as well. My mm. mom was there. My mom had left Saudi okay. and she was in Somalia. So. Mm. I want to go spend some time with her because she was heading to Turkey. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was meant to go with her, but Kenya had my heart. Yeah. Kenya had my heart at the time. So I was like, mommy, I love you. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, and the flip de flip. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So in well, the times you spent in Somalia, all, all, no, you said Mogadishu also Somaliland a little bit. Yes. Yeah, I haven't yeah. gotten outside of Mogadishu when it comes to Somalia. Can you remember any trends? Like what were you seeing? Trends? Like, yeah. I was fearful Music. for my life to even go anywhere. I was going to say, I was going to say what were people wearing, but is it all um, abaya? Abaya, but like it's more like a hijab. Somalis are very creative with the colors. Okay. They okay, like yeah. to be loud and That's flashy. so true actually. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> so yeah, even when you see like, like when you'll wear your um is it the dirac that's the wedding dirac, yeah the wedding outfit yeah. like traditional the wedding dirac, outfit. like it's very baggy They're always like baggy and flowy but like the colors and patterns are Beautiful, always yeah. on point and there's millions yeah, well, yeah that's something they wear for like certain occasions yeah it's not like an everyday thing yeah but yeah someone is so it's not just like black abaya every day no no okay not but a lot of people do that as well but like i remember my first the second time i went my brother was also there, so he was telling me, let's go to the shisha lounge. I was like, yeah, let's go, but I'm scared. He's like, don't worry, Yasmin. I went. Is your brother older or younger? Younger. My baby brother. And he was very ballsy, but I was like, okay, for a man, I think it's easier yeah, yeah, yeah. to move around. But like going to shisha lounge is also illegal. And apparently that spot that we were smoking shisha at was blown. What? It was blown before and they rebuilt okay, it. Okay, okay. Woof. Do you hear me, sister? Damn. So now I'm there sitting. I'm like, okay, round two is about to happen. Bruh. I'm just looking around. I'm just looking around. And I, bruh, I don't even smoke shisha like that. I don't yeah. even smoke shisha. But like, that shisha didn't even taste nice. <laughs> just because of my state of mind. Like, it's not even worth it. Let's just go. <laughs> I stressed the fuck out of my brother. Like, let's get out of here. And there was so much fear. Mm. So much fear. And apparently, Fair enough. I remember, I remember uh, this one time, um, um, one time I went for for lunch at this restaurant in front of the ocean and and it was me and this girl that I know who was who happened to be in Mogadishu at the time and then there was the only other people on, in that restaurant was this guy that looked like a, a government guy mm-hmm. and with his soldiers and whatever. Yeah. And then as we were finishing food, me and her, we were in a few even finishing the food had just gotten there. Mm. The place was gorgeous. I do remember that. And out of nowhere, this guy gets a call. The guy that's sitting next to us. He mm-hmm. gets a call and they all flip, get up and jump and run. What? Outside like literally of the run? Yeah, because maybe they got a call that's on a taxi. I saw that. I was like, I'm running with them. I told my friend, bye. She's like, no, it's me. I ran. Ran outside and got a you taxi. You left her? I left she was her. like, no, it's okay. Yeah, she's like, you stay. No. Me, I followed them. They were even scared of me at some point. They're like, where are you going? They made hey, me you're like, exactly, where are we going? <laughs> yeah. Where are we going? <laughs> I, got a, I got a tuk-tuk. I got a tuk-tuk. And then I was telling this guy to speak. And, and, and I think 
oh my god that was a funny day and then we got stuck in traffic and you know traffic was crazy because there's no traffic lights and people are like this you know mm. intertwined yeah and the traffic is everybody makes moving. whatever lane they Literally. find and then the traffic police will come in the middle and shoot in the air what everybody would go no. Everybody would just disappear. Just disperse. Bro, and then I was, when I heard those gunshots, I was like, ha, ah, today's the day. Today is the day. That's that why I came to Somalia. So That's why I came here. And then he was like, he looked at me. I remember that guy's look on, my, on his face. This is the he government looked, guy from the restaurant. No, no, no. No, the, no, the government the guy. I don't go with them. Okay. I went and got myself another TikTok because, of course, they're not going to take me with them. Yeah. They'd rather shoot me than <laughs> take me with them because, if anything, bro, who am I? Yeah. I could be the threat. <laughs> <laughs> so I got on a TikTok. And then when I freaked out because of the gunshots, he looked at me. Because I started crying. Mm. He looked at me. He said, oh, my sister, you are so afraid of dying. You love your life too much. Oh, wow. He said that to me and it changed my life because I'm like, why wouldn't I love my life? Yeah. But it also shows me how he is okay with dying. Mm. I'm not. Mm -hmm. I have so much to live for. Yeah. You get me? But people, it's just. It's, it's very sad. Yeah, but sad. also with that, do you? It didn't. Um, it doesn't seem to you like maybe then people live like they're about to die or no? It seemed. I mean, it. As in, in terms comment. of like taking advantage of like every moment, oh, and, like no, living no. the fullest life. I don't think that that doesn't it, translate oh, to that. Bruh. No, mm. no. People are still worried about what their neighbor think about them. Okay, so it's not even like live every moment. No, it's just that we are ready, God. If uh, you take us, you take us. Okay. Which is really a bummer. Hectic. It's yeah. <laughs> just so <laughs> hectic. <laughs> That's hectic. like one of the South Africanisms that will not leave me. Saying hectic. hectic. <laughs> it will not leave that. And hybo, when something is like extremely uh, heinous, yeah. like when something is really shocking, yeah. the hybo will come out. Love it. Yeah. So that's that. It was, it was very interesting. I'm grateful for my experience. Yeah. Um, however, I don't know if I can experience that anytime soon. Mm. Mental... That's extremely Later. traumatic. I think yeah, it's like just because it's every day some, in some places. Like yeah. it's not natural and it's not right. Like yeah, I love my we're not supposed so to live in that kind of environment. That, that's the thing. Know? I love my people so much, but it's just so hard. Yeah. Plus, with everything I'm doing, me being an activist, it's not even safe for me mm -hmm. to go back, 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 back. There you have it, my people. That is part one of our convo with Yasmin, aka Bananas Overdose. You can come back next week for the second part of our chat, where we got into some of her activism um, women's rights work and anti-FGM work her own FGM experience and much more into her music and even some more travel experiences throughout Africa good and bad there's some border control issues there's some discrimination and much more unfortunately uh, the realities of traveling in and around Africa and as an African and some more about her music and hopes for the future if you'd like to connect with Yaz, you can look up Bananas Overdose on all social media platforms and stream her music, Spotify, Apple Music, all of it. She's out, she's out there, YouTube, all of it. And you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter as Gone to Africa Pod, Africa spelled with a K. You can find myself, Julie, at Frame Ambition, also on all social media platforms. Thank you again for being here, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.